you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Richie X. Once again, this is Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, probably, no, you will have a problem with this shit. I, um, it's crazy because I just finished the last episode and immediately I was inspired to come back um, and talk to you all because as I was reflecting on the last podcast episode uh, that I recorded uh, which uh, basically I talk about my experience of God from the beginning until now, you know, based off of this meme that I saw. Um, and that episode is called uh, The God I Came to Know Was Nothing Short of a Monster. Uh, and I think, you know, definitely if you haven't heard that episode, go back, pause this, go back, listen to that episode because there's going to be a lot of uh, connection between these two. And that's going to kind of build the foundation of where uh, I am today. Uh, And so I was sitting here thinking, and one of those, one of my thoughts was that, uh, I don't know, maybe perhaps I shouldn't leave you all on that type of ending because I didn't want it to seem like I didn't that I don't still feel the desire for that type of connection but I think there's several things at play right I'm exhausted one right like life and all of that stuff in the earlier part of my life wore me out right i'm autistic i live life in extremes of course i'm in the extreme of the extreme of it all and now i'm tired and i don't want that type of relationship dynamic um i also find myself being afraid of the community the communal relationships 
um, that are created in those spaces. Oftentimes, I have found in my life experience that people are disingenuous, not intentionally, but often they are because most people, one, don't know who they are. Two, aren't really trying to figure it out because once they figure it out, they're going to need to do some healing work and they're avoiding it. Um, three, people don't understand or respect or desire to set boundaries. Most of the time. And uh, four, people are not ready to enter into the kind of adult psychologically responsible friendship that I'm ready to be in or I desire to be in. People are used to these very half-assed friendships that, you know, you can bounce in and out of each other's lives based on when or when you have a man or not or a woman or not or, you know, you know, where there is this kind of like imbalance Right, and people want to engage each other off of those things. It's, I don't have the time, right? And so you throw in uh, the years of just trauma, but not just from the institution, but also from the interpersonal relationships that I created in those spaces that I found dissolved or dissolving or dissolvable, right? Um, the moment I, the moment I cease to exist in those spaces, very few relationships are, um, uh, you know, ready or, or, or lasting beyond the point of the fact that we have in common that we are both a part of this institution. And so I have some apprehension, right? Um, a lot of my trauma is based around the black church. I don't want to know what awaits me in a white church. Because the thing is, is nobody, including the black church, the white church, the Spanish church, nobody is using that space to unpack anti-blackness. And so oftentimes the demand to be holy is rooted in anti-blackness. And anti-self-love and um, anti-intellectualism. Uh anti-communism, anti-socialism, right? Like th these, it is, it is rooted in some sort of version of um, um, American uh, religion, if you will, American ideology, right? This sort of self-serving, selfish, uh, capitalist white supremacy, uh, male patriarchy, right? And so um, it's riddled with that. And then I think about a lot of these new groups um, and their meetings. I don't want to meet online. Um, 
a lot of times, you know, they're sitting around drinking whiskey. Um, you know, and, and, you know, doing different things, which I don't mind, but that's not my concept, I guess, of um, the communal worship, I guess. You know, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I'm um, a former pastor. I had a house church for um, about a year. Uh, and it was exciting, but it was exhausting. You know, having people come and meet in your home is a journey. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you got to have people in your space. Your space has to be prepared to have people in it. Um, that's one thing as a person with ADHD. And at the time I was uh, unmedicated, right? And so there's there's all of that. And so there's trying to have your space clean, having people in that space and what that means for someone who is autistic and ADHD. And, and also the not only that, the, being, the preparation, being the pastor, being being expected to... Uh, to carry everything and everyone in this space. Essentially, pastoring myself as well as others and what that meant for me, right? And and so while I enjoyed the fellowship and was able to create a space that was inspirational, I struggled with a new role a new position, being in it, and having to fulfill it. Uh, particularly because I, I think the unmasking journey began before, long before I even knew uh, of that I was autistic. I think I began unmasking, I would say maybe 2016. I became so much less performative in my relationships with people. I stopped showing up in a lot of spaces where I was not being honored. I stopped pretending to get along with people I did not like just so that I would not have to be alone. So I, the, the unmasking for me began then. You know, I, I started ending relationships that did not serve me. And so I, I, it started ending for me long before that. And so now, although I'm not masking in this position of pastor, but I was, it's still a role that you have to be in, that you have to fulfill, that you're not being paid for, that you're not, that where you are constantly having to pour of yourself, even when you are broken. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be a, a replication of uh, all of the pastoral trauma that I've seen, right? Because, you know, people in charge kind of go through this very awkward thing with the members, you know? And, and it's a whole other thing from what the members go through, right? It's, I think it's one of the reasons why so many pastors and leaders um, do cause trauma and hurt and pain 
um, in general, I think it's because they're so burdened down and the, pr- the pressure of constantly having to perform without any substantial rest is exhausting. And you are doing it with this sort of burden uh, that like you are holding up the bloodstained banner, uh, fighting in the army of the Lord, you know what I mean? And so that's heavy. Um, but you know, oftentimes in these internet spaces, I think it's cool. I think it's lit, but I'm not showing up to that. It's no shade. I'm I'm not going to be waking up, (laughs) you know, logging into that. And I think it's too, because not, not, I, I think it's because I'm autistic and if it's not in front of me, it does not feel real. It doesn't feel tangible online. It's one of the reasons why I, I struggle to go um, to online churches or like be a part of online churches. I did it with a, a, for a while with uh, Sarah Jakes Roberts. Um, and it was cool. It was lit. I enjoyed her a lot. You know, I could listen at work you know, podcasting as well. They did podcasting as well. So I could listen whenever I wanted to, you know, being a part of that was kind of like cool, but it, after a while, just, it's, it's, it's not tangible. It's not real. So it's just, it's there, but you're not a part of that. So there's no real community in that sense. And so there's that. So all these things are kind of like a part of, you know, I guess my apprehensions with being a part of like religious communities. And some people might be like, yo, but you don't have to go to church, but you know, da, 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 da. and I'm cool with all that. I already know that. <laughs> and don't, um, um, I go when I want to go. I go when I'm invited. If I feel like it, um, if I can manage to get up and schedule everything. And, but another thing is I don't want to be annoyed when I come to people's churches. My biggest pet peeve is inviting me to your church and wasting my time. It's like the new generation is trying to move forward, but they're not decolonizing and deconstructing deep enough in order to rid themselves of the old ways. And so they're bringing in these old ways to these new spaces and not realizing it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Practical is better. I need to leave this place feeling like I got something that I didn't have before I came. Or I was reminded of something that I that I forgot. Um, uh, do these things in remembrance of me. Um, the the spirit shall bring all these things to your remembrance, right? And so you you I want you to remind me of something. Simple can be easy. You know, simple, practical can be inviting and warm. Even little quirky, challenging sermons. If you if you're working through deconstruction. Creating these quirky worksheets, things, and and questions to challenge 
the congregation. All of that can be really cool when you are forming and starting a new space. But don't waste my time. Have me up in here and y'all performing church and and doing the stuff y'all seen other people do. And 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 you haven't really rethought enough things to 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 really prepare you to be in this space. And and so it's it's just discombobulated. But what I want when I, when I you know I was going to a universal I'm sorry a Unitarian Universalist church um, for a while. I'm st- I still consider myself to be a part. Um, I visit sparingly um and while that place has the community the community organizing the opportunities and everything else that is uh necessary for uh survival and like i guess like like that's necessary for me in my survival my like continuous journey like that's what i want to do i i want to be a part of something that is giving back to the community and that is creating a strong community within a community and that's all lit. But the services could be mad whack. Mad whack. Um, and like, it's just corny, you know what I mean? Like, it's dry. It's dry, you know, and it's only so much that they can do, right? They don't come from the same background as me, a lot of them. A lot of them are lapsed Catholics. So church has always been important to them. They don't know the power of, of, of gospel and electric, electricity in, the, in your choir stand. They don't really know that. They might have seen it somewhere before, but they, they haven't really experienced it. Um, and so it's kind of like... You know, sitting in that space, it's just dry, but you're longing for more. And you're longing for something that these people just don't have to give you. So I I feel like, you know, finding, you know, and there's a, yeah, there's a million and one churches, but how many of them are affirming? How many of them are, are doing deconstruction work? How many of them are decolonizing you know, their minds. How many of them are not biblical literalists? I don't want no edgy pastor with shorts and boat shoes. Y'all can keep it. I've been there. I've done it. Behind all of that, that Hillsong looking shit, they still are full of shit. They still have done no work, no deconstruction work. They pretend like they have in order to grow their churches. Like, they pretend like they're so different so that young people can come there and feel energetic, but stay around long enough. <laughs> stay around long enough. Something's going to come across that pulpit, and you're going to be like, what? Um, you know, and so I just wanted to be kind of, like, clear that I was not... Um. shame you know like that I had not like just given up not that I like owed anybody an explanation I think I just felt uh compelled to kind of continue this conversation of like 
where I am and what that means for me. You know, because one thing about spiritual practice is it requires a certain amount of consistency. And one of the things I have found is that in a space where I am not masking, so much of my existence has been about the mask, living in the mask, wearing the mask, method acting in the mask. So when you're asking me to show up as me, ADHD, autistic, that means I don't want to mask. It means I don't want to play the game. It means I don't want to, that consistency may be a problem for me. Um, that all the, and, 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 and the, the things that used to fuel me before with these things were, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Nah, but the things that used to fuel me before with these things was, um, the mask. Because it was important that the mask look good. And it was also important that I be who I say I am. That I outwardly perform everything that I profess that I am. You know, and so it was a hard job. And it was like you're just trying so hard to be everything that you say you are and live up to the standard that the text and whoever else has set. Meanwhile, other motherfuckers ain't living like that and they don't see what you see and they can't... uh, they, They can't... They don't live in your world of extremes. They don't live in your autistic brain. They live in life to the best of their ability. Their ability is doing the best that they can. They're not under some deep manipulative spell. You are. <laughs> like I said, they're doing the best they can with what they got. They're not pressing themselves to do so much. You know, but that's the thing, too. These kind of religions, these kind of um, extremist religions often play on people who are disabled. Because those people are often the most loyal members. Neurodivergent people are often some of the most loyal members in some of the craziest cults. Where they actually need help. Medicine, psychotherapy, psychiatry. They don't need institutionalized religion right and so you know there's a lot to be said um so i think you know given my take on the end of the last episode it was you know i think i'm okay (laughs) feel like I'm still connected but I guess one of the questions I had for myself that had crossed my mind a couple days ago was 
what if I never had the desire to, to have anything to do with it again? What if I want nothing to do with it? Because I feel that sometimes. I feel like I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that world. And my that little thing in me that, that used to always make me want to go back, always that little engine that could, that thing is in a train yard somewhere. That thing do not chugga chugga no more. And it's because I'm, I see, you know, I see not blind to these things. I see. So I, I, I wonder, you know, and, and, um, but I'm going to be honest, you know, autistic people, we love routine. That's another thing. It, it rocked my world to not be a part of a church community. All the things that we did and all the rehearsals and meetings and having that sort of like super busy routine had me like on go. Like, this is it. This is what I should be doing. This is lit, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm functioning out here. The community, the music, the passion I have for the music. All of that getting to work together so that so that I can be a part of this community and it's like we we lit. We going to have a fire service. It's going to be good. You combine that with all that is, you know, black Pentecostalism and we having a time. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You know? And we repeating that 20 for 20 minutes. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. You, you could just imagine it, the crowd singing it in unison. The music stops. You feel that, that that chill, that gust of wind and spirit just come across the room and shake you till tears for your eyes and, and you weep under the feeling of this energy because it is electric and it is in your hands and it is in your feet. It's in your bones and you can only think about the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You know, and I felt a little little tongue coming coming right there because it just fits, right? It just fits, and so you know, I don't know that you ever stop longing for that. I don't know that. You ever stop wanting that feel of dopamine (laughs) in your brain? I don't know that you ever stop wanting it. You mix that with community, subtract 
abuse and trauma, you can have something good. You know, you could have a good time. But every time I go to have a good time, somebody's got to mix shame into a message. Somebody feels compelled to talk about what people do when they're not in church. Well, because God said, because they just have to. They just feel compelled to get on my nerves. And then I say to myself, I won't be back here. Because you just disturbed the whole spirit of the atmosphere, the whole energy, the whole moment to make it about whatever legalistic thing you, you can come up with just because you're looking somebody in the face and they got on something you don't approve of or, you know, talking about people going to the club and talking about that's not the purpose that many of us come here for. Many of us want to feel love. We want to feel community. We want to experience connection. And we want to experience these things without interruption. I get so sick of them. And the, cause God is coming back, amen. Girl, shut up. Shut up. Misquoting scriptures. Quoting stuff out of Revelations. Child, like Revelations ain't already happened. It did in the time of Nero. Do your research. You know, and, 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 and I get so sick of it. I get so sick and tired of being sick and tired, child. And it's just not something that I want to continue to experience. So I think expounding a little more on that for the people is important to me. It's a wake-up call. Until the church, the church, black or otherwise, confronts, not combats, confronts this issue of human sexuality and homosexuality, which is not going away. Homosexuals and homosexuality is not going away. If every gay person in our churches left, or those who have an orientation or a preference or an inclination or fantasy, if everyone left, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a church. Because that liberates. Love liberates. It doesn't just hold. That's ego. 
Love liberates. We are back with part two of the second thing. Remix. No, um, and uh, this is our uh, deconstruction clip of the week. Um, brought to us by Holy Smokes Cigars and Spirituality Podcast. Um, with my brother Christian A. Smith. Um, usually he's calling my cousin. Um, and I just thought this clip was so interesting. It's something that I've been saying since the beginning of Surviving Fundamentalism. And it's something that, that, like, that snapped me into, like, realization some years ago. And I haven't been the same since. Really during the time where I was studying the Enlightenment period, you know, and, and, and breaking away from the church to build a secular society. And so I, 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 wanna, I want us to listen and then we'll have a conversation about it. Why isn't there a motivation in church spaces to create emotionally healthy Christians? It's because you can't control what's healthy. If you try, if you want to control a culture that is controlling, you can't create healthy people because healthy people are not going to bend to your will every time you tell them to do something. I've got to wound you and handicap you and make you walk with a limp so you can use me as a cane. I gotta wound you so you can limp and you'll have to use me as a cane that's like the existence my whole existence in you know uh, fundamentalism is is so much of that like I can't tell you how many times I've heard a and Jacob wrestled with God. All right, how he's wrestling with this messenger, this angel. But then, you know, then it says that later on J- Jacob wrestled with God. And so he's wrestling and then the angel like s- essentially smites him, right? And like and he's stuck walking with his limp forever. And it's like this reminder that this day I wrestle with God. And I think a lot of us um, have and are wrestling with a lot of things. Um, And what the institution continues to do is give you antidotes that don't work. We're wrestling with doctrine, many of us. We're wrestling with critical thinking, many of us. Particularly me being autistic. Like, baby, if it don't make sense, it don't make sense. And there's a whole, whole, whole lot of stuff in, 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 in all of these major religions that do not make sense to me. There's much more in the... abyss of agnosticism that makes sense in in just science as a whole that we can come up with together even that makes sense over what's happening in these uh, pre-existing religions it's not that girl it's not making sense and it's not adding up and many of us particularly autistic people have to literally 
bend, contour our bodies and minds and spirits and energy to fit into these spaces because they don't make room for us. They do not leave room for us. Never once have I even heard it mentioned for us to talk about neurodivergent people in these spaces. It is no the the church is not an is not a place for people with disabilities and they make it known. They want to cast out the demon of autism. They want to stop giving people scientifically proven vaccines. They want to put everybody at risk. They want to be anti. They want to do everything but make space for the least of these. Ah, come on, somebody. They want you vulnerable. They want you bent up so that they can use you. Though I remember sermons like be, being a vessel for the use of God. You know, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. We used to sing that. And you gave me my hands. To reach out to men, to show them your love and your perfect plan. You gave me my ears so I can hear your voice so clear. I can hear the cries of sinners, but cannot wipe away their tears. Lord, I'm available to you. This is the part right here. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. Do use me, Lord. I'm sorry I had to sing all that to get to that. But that's the part. You know what I mean? You can use anything. Use me. You know, my will I give to you. Use me, Lord. Take me. You know, mold me and make me, Lord. For thou art the potter and I am the clay. You know, and, and so... You know, and it is this constant thing, you know, and I used to, and it's crazy because my, my deep, deep cultish religious identity is coming up now, right? Where I'm thinking about, you know, using, you know, um, the whole um, contortion thing right like mold me and make me because in the cult my former pastor would have said God's gotta break you down to the point of destruction so that he can raise you anew God's gotta cut you up whip you with the scripture so that you can become new You know, it is hard even to reimagine God as, 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 as nonviolent, as some other version when you come from where I come from. What? 
There can be no other version. <laughs> this version is your version. This is the only version. You know, and so I, I, I'm hearing myself and thinking of these things and I'm like, whoa. Is that the God that I've always known or is it the God that I was introduced to? Um, I don't know. Both. Because they say our parents are our, fo- our first uh, representation of God in our lives. That built the foundation for what I would come to know. What I would come to believe about myself. Ultimately, because men really create God in our image. And so what I would come to believe about myself and my own identity becomes the way, the lens through which we see God. Which, which brings me back to um, a message I'd done. I might have recorded it here. A, call, a return to love. And it was in one day in 2018 when I was still, this is what led me to starting the house church and pastoring. Sorry, 2017. No, 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 2018. It was, I woke up one night in the wee hours of the morning. And back then I used to pray whenever I would wake up like that and then pray myself back to sleep. Uh, my friends used to say, oh, what you doing? Uh, what you doing? Praying, mother? You know, because I was old, you know, old prayer. I still will pray once in a while. Uh, not like I used to, but, I, you know, I get to talking and speaking. Speaking positivity and light and love. But, you know, I... I was up one night and I was, and I think I was praying in like my old self. And I would say, I said, I I, I love you, God. And very calmly, I felt within something say, how can you say you love something outside of yourself when you don't even love yourself? You don't love you. How can you say you love a God And you don't even love yourself. Love begins within. How can you. The work of love begins inside of you. This work of love and and extending love to others and grace. Because when you have love. When you really have love, love is God. And it is something that that, that desires to to expand outside of you. Because often we are the only representation of God that people will see every day. Love is the only thing. Love is the thing that can come through us. We can be used as vessels to let somebody know that they are loved. I think it was Toni Morrison who said that all most people want to know is that when they walk, that somebody lights up when they walk into a room. Do you light up? 
when the people you love walk into a room, you know, and and this is in no way a call to be fake, <laughs> baby. If they don't make you feel like lighting up, I get it, okay. But I just, you know, what the reflection is 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 that everybody wants to feel that, you know. And 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 so I think if I had to pick a God, God, my God would be love. Like love extended. Love reaching out. And that doesn't that doesn't have that doesn't have a face or a throne or many mansions or a home over there. You know, maybe it just has the peace in knowing that we've lived and now we don't. Maybe it has a hand in stirring and guiding those who we leave behind when we go on. Maybe it just wants to sleep. (laughs) Maybe it just wants to rest and become and be absorbed into the earth to 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 become another part of the ecosystem you know and i think maybe that's it maybe that's where i am uh so yeah maybe that's where i am And I'm going to end on this. There's a book called A Return to Love by a woman named Marianne Williamson. Uh, And there's a quote that says, Our deepest fear is not that we are powerful beyond... I'm sorry. Let's go back. (laughs) Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And I'm not big into the self-help world, you know, or the spiritual guru world. I feel like it's a slippery slope for cultish shit again. Um, But I definitely think uh, life has a way of guarding, of teaching us to guard ourselves. Particularly if you exist within any of the margins, if you exist in any of these intersections, black, queer, non-binary, disabled, life has prepared us for nothing but pain and struggle. It's what we know. And I'm not so sure that some guru quoting that we are most afraid of, um, that we are powerful beyond measure. I don't know that. 
And I don't know that we are just some people that are just not winning in life or not having what we need in life because we don't recognize our true power. I think I've lived long enough to know I got shit to do with that. I, I do believe that there is power in word, power in speaking, but I also know that there's power in getting help. There's power in asking questions. There's power in getting answers. There's power in science, and there is healing, um, and power in knowledge, um, and wisdom. And so, rock on, people. Much love to you. Much love to you all. Once again, this has been Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, probably, eh, you will have a problem with this shit. Until next time. So long, farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will be back next week.